York. This is Democracy Now! With the arrival of the military in Burkina Faso and Mali, we've seen a real reduction in insecurity. We think that even here in Niger, Niger doesn't really need French or even foreign forces in this country. What we want are logistical resources to help the defense and security forces assume their responsibilities. West African leaders from ECOWAS are holding an emergency summit today to determine their next steps after a deadline passed Sunday to restore Niger's ousted president. ECOWAS is backed by the United States and former colonizer France. ECOWAS had threatened to use military force if its deadline was not met. We'll get an update. Then we speak to Ukrainian pacifist Yuri Shalajenko. He's been charged by the Ukrainian government with justifying Russian aggression days after his apartment was raided and searched. It is total nonsense uh, uh, that uh, uh, a pacifist is accused uh, in justification of war uh, uh, for anti-war statement. Uh, 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 this peace agenda for Ukraine and the world, it denounces uh, uh, Russian aggression. Then 10 peace activists are arrested on the runway of a U.S. air base in the Netherlands, where 15 U.S. nuclear bombs are stockpiled for NATO's so-called nuclear sharing program. The action came on the 78th anniversary of the U.S. atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We'll speak with John LaForge, co-director of NukeWatch, who just served a 50-day sentence in Germany for protesting U.S. nuclear weapons stationed at an airbase there. We take the Pentagon's threatened use of nuclear weapons, known as deterrence, very, very seriously. Because under law, this ongoing, credible, and well-rehearsed readiness to attack people with hydrogen bombs is an international criminal conspiracy to commit massacres using radiation and firestorms. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. At least 36 people have died on the Hawaiian island of Maui as unprecedented wind-driven wildfires force thousands of people to flee their homes. Hospitals have been overwhelmed with burned patients. Some people had to run into the ocean to escape the flames. Much of the town of Lahaina has burned to the ground. Lahaina was once the capital of the Hawaiian kingdom. Residents described horrific scenes of destruction. I'm a resident of Lahaina for about 18 years, and uh, we just had the worst disaster I've ever seen. All Lahaina is burnt to crisp, and it's, uh, it's like an apocalypse. The fires began on Tuesday and rapidly spread as wind from Hurricane Dora, hundreds of miles away, and dry conditions fueled the blaze. This is Hawaii's Lieutenant Governor Sylvia Luke. You know, the point is um, a lot of residents in the state of Hawaii, when we are preparing for the hurricane, we, we expect rain. Um, sometimes we expect floods. We never anticipated uh, in this state that a hurricane, which did not make impact on our islands, will cause this type of wildfires, wildfires that wiped out communities, wildfires that wiped out businesses, wildfires that destroyed homes. 
Ecuador has declared a state of emergency following the assassination of the presidential candidate Fernando Villavicencio. The former journalist was fatally shot after a campaign event in Quito 10 days before the August 20th election. He'd faced death threats recently for speaking out about the links between the government and organized crime. This is Fernando Villavicencio speaking in late July. The country knew through the media of a police report in which it's revealed a very serious threat of one of the Sinaloa cartel's boss. I'm referring to alias Tito against me and my campaign team. There was this warning that if I keep referring to him and his structure, they would attack me or my life. Drug traffickers and the mafia want to take the political power of the state, and without a doubt, it's not Tito who's behind this threat. It's the political mafias that are behind Tito who is behind this threat against my candidacy. Fernando Villavicencio was 59 years old. The BBC reports a criminal group called Los Lobos, meaning the wolves, has claimed responsibility for his murder. One suspect was shot dead after the assassination. President Biden's reportedly planning to seek an additional $25 billion from Congress to be spent partly on the war in Ukraine, as well as to speed up weapons delivery to Taiwan. This comes as the war in Ukraine continues to intensify. On Thursday, a massive blast at a factory outside Moscow injured 56 people. Meanwhile, Poland has announced plans to send an additional 10,000 troops to its border with Belarus. Niger's new military leaders are accusing France of trying to destabilize the country by releasing captured terrorists and breaching its airspace. France has denied the claims. This comes as ECOWAS, the Economic Community of West African States, is holding an emergency summit today in Nigeria. ECOWAS has threatened to use military force to remove Niger's military leaders who seized power in a coup two weeks ago. After headlines, we'll speak with Syracuse University professor Horace Campbell. In Pakistan, the imprisoned former prime minister Imran Khan has filed an appeal days after he was sentenced to three years in prison on corruption charges. Earlier this week, Pakistan's election commission barred Khan from politics for five years. Pakistan's parliament removed Khan from office in April 2022. On Wednesday, The Intercept revealed the existence of a classified Pakistani cable that outlined how the U.S. State Department had encouraged the Pakistani government to remove Khan from office in March of 2022, just weeks after Russia had invaded Ukraine. The document stated the U.S. objected to Khan's neutral stance on the war. According to the memo, one State Department official warned Pakistan's ambassador to the United States that, quote, all will be forgiven in Washington if Khan is removed. The U.S. official assistant secretary of state Donald Liu then went on to say, quote, otherwise, I think it will be tough going ahead, he said. The death toll from a migrant shipwreck off Tunisia's coast has risen to at least 41, including three children. The ship capsized and sank just a few hours after departing from Europe. Dozens are still missing from another shipwreck near the Tunisian port city of Sfax. The number of asylum seekers fleeing from Tunisia has dramatically increased in recent months due to the persecution of black Africans by Tunisian authorities and President Kais Saied. On Wednesday, at least 27 people were found dead in the desert after they were expelled from Tunisia. This is a pregnant asylum seeker who was expelled from Tunisia. 
I was in Tunisia. My husband is a day laborer. We wanted to go to Italy and there was beating and insults. After that, two days ago, they took us to the borders. The following day, after we reached the borders, they took us, beat the men and left us. We walked on the road towards Libya, but we don't know the direction. We walked for three, four hours. Then the Libyan police found us. Venezuela has won a major legal battle to recover about $1.5 billion that had been confiscated by the Portuguese bank Novabanco, which is largely owned by the U.S. private equity firm Lone Star. For years, the Venezuelan government has decried international sanctions that has led to foreign banks freezing its overseas assets. In 2021, The Intercept reported Venezuela was blocked from using some of the money held by the bank to buy millions of vaccines for children. President Biden signed an executive order to ban U.S. firms from investing in Chinese high-tech companies developing semiconductors and quantum computers. The Chinese government criticized the move, accusing the U.S. of politicizing and weaponizing trade and technological issues. Newly unsealed court documents show special counsel Jack Smith obtained a search warrant to access Donald Trump's Twitter account as part of the investigation into Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Twitter, now known as X, was fined $350,000 after initially refusing to hand over Trump's personal data. Meanwhile, CNN is reporting Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis and George is expected to seek more than a dozen indictments next week in her probe on Trump's efforts to overturn the election in Georgia. Security around Willis has increased after Trump attacked her on the campaign trail, calling her a racist while spreading rumors about her. Bonnie Willis is the first black woman to serve as Fulton County District Attorney. The FBI shot and killed a Utah man who threatened the life of President Biden. The shooting came on Wednesday morning as the FBI attempted to serve the man, Craig Robertson, an arrest and search warrant. Robertson had posted numerous online threats targeting Biden and other officials. He recently wrote he was cleaning the dust off his M24 sniper rifle after learning Biden would be in Utah today. He was killed in Utah. CNN is reporting the former head of the U.S. Coast Guard covered up the results of an explosive investigation into decades of rape and sexual assault at the Coast Guard's prestigious academy. Four years ago, Commandant Carl Schultz and his deputy admiral Charles Ray suppressed the report as investigators were set to brief lawmakers and the Homeland Security Department on its findings. The current head of the Coast Guard, Linda Fagan, has acknowledged she'd become aware of the report and its cover-up, but has vowed to tackle sexual assault at the agency. Fagan, who's the Coast Guard's first female leader, has also apologized to survivors. ProPublica has revealed new details about how conservative billionaires have showered Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas with free trips and gifts for decades. ProPublica's new report documents 38 destination vacations, 26 private jet flights, 12 VIP passes to sporting events, and eight helicopter flights, all paid for by billionaire patrons. Thomas has been under increasing scrutiny since April, when ProPublica revealed he'd failed to report frequent luxury trips paid for by the billionaire Harlan Crow. And the Israeli human rights organization B'Tselem is reporting 86 members of a Palestinian Bedouin community have been forced to abandon their homes due to violent threats from Israeli settlers. This is Mohammed Hassan Abu Akhabash of the Bedouin community Akabun. 
We've lived here for 20, 25 years. We're farmers, shepherds, and we've lived here normally with our flock. But a settler came to the area and started making trouble for us. They tell us, don't graze here. You're not allowed to graze there. These are my lambs. A few days ago, they spilled my neighbor's sheep's drinking water on the ground. Two days ago, an armed settler came, walked around our home, came inside, and just sat there. He says the land is his. He says, I'm the government. I'm the state. I'm the police and the military. It's come to the point where we're leaving. It's a done deal. According to Betzalem, the Bedouin community Al-Kabun is the fourth Palestinian community forced to abandon its land in the last three months due to threats from Israeli settlers. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. In Niger, leaders of last month's military coup have appointed a 21-member cabinet as they forge ahead with building a new government. This comes as West African leaders from ECOWAS are holding an emergency summit today in the Nigerian capital, Abuja, to determine their next steps after a deadline to restore ousted President Mohamed Bassoum passed Sunday. ECOWAS, backed by the U.S. and the former colonizer France, had threatened to use military force if their deadline was not met. But there's been deep division within the region over how to respond. The Senate in Nigeria has said military force should only be used as a last resort if diplomacy fails. Neighbors Mali and Burkina Faso, all ruled by coup leaders who've ejected French forces from their country, have said any military action would be taken as an attack on their countries as well. Many Nigerians have been taking to the streets since July 26 coup to show their support of the military and voice opposition to any foreign intervention. On Wednesday, the coup leadership accused France of violating its airspace. This is Niger Army spokesperson Colonel Major Amadou Adraman. These security disruptions planned by these French forces was the case in Mali and Burkina Faso, aimed to discredit the CNSP and create a rapture with the people who supported its actions, or to create the feeling of a generalized insecurity in any case. Meanwhile, sanctions and power cuts imposed on Niger have hampered delivery of humanitarian aid to over 4 million people in need of assistance, according to the U.N. African officers trained by the U.S. military have now taken part in 11 coups in West Africa since 2008, including in Burkina Faso and Mali. For more, we turn to Horace Campbell, professor of African-American studies and political science at Syracuse University, activist and chairperson of the global Pan-African movement, North American delegation. He's also the author of Global NATO and the Catastrophic Failure in Libya. Uh, professor Campbell, we welcome you back to Democracy Now! Can you talk about what's happening as we speak? The meeting in Nigeria, the most populous country in Africa, of the ECOWAS leaders, West African leaders, um, who set a deadline of this past Sunday saying if the president, Bazoum, was not returned, they would militarily intervene. Well, clearly they haven't. Uh, what's your response? Of course, Burkina Faso, Mali, Guinea, threatening that they better not attack. Well, good morning, Amy, and thank you for having me. We oppose all military intervention. We should make that very clear. We oppose the military intervention in Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, and Guinea. 
But one cannot oppose a military intervention without opposing France and the United States and their militarization of the region. This recent destruction of civilian power and civilian leadership in Niger is one of the nine sequences that has developed since the war on terror in that region. The fabrication of terror, the intervention of the United States and France in the region, and the consequences of the destruction of Libya and the financing of groups, military groups in the region by France. Now, this, this military intervention in Niger is a consequence of the militarization of Nigerian society when the society needs social and economic reconstruction. The United States has pumped more than a billion dollars into this region, into military facilities and military programs and supporting military elements in this region. In Niger alone, the United States has spent half a billion dollars building a military base and military and drone facilities in Agadez to support French exploitation of the mineral human resources of Niger. So we cannot discuss what's going on in Niger without discussing the call by the African people for the expulsion of France from West Africa. The foreign minister of Mali has called on the United Nations to investigate France in the region. The, the former prime minister of Italy has called for sanctions against France. And it is the right-wing conservative forces in the United States that is supporting France to the point where now we see the conservative wing of the Biden administration led by Victoria Nuland and Anthony Blinken leading the discussions on Africa. Why is it that Victoria Nuland was in Niger on Monday and Victoria Nuland is in South Africa? The Biden administration has African expert. They named Johnny Carson as their expert on Africa at the last U.S.-Africa summit. But is Victoria Newland the hawk that wants to militarize the planet Earth, who is a rabid militarist, who is now flying between Nigeria, Niger, and South Africa, carrying out U.S. policies? The task is for the left and progressive forces in this country to call for the removal of the United States Africa Command from Africa, the closing of the U.S. military facilities in Niger and to support the people of Niger in removing France from Niger, just as the people of Burkina Faso and Mali has done. And we should support the call for federation between Mali, Niger and Burkina Faso. Give us the history of Niger and French colonialism there. We'll also talk about the United States. Well, Niger is one of those states that has suffered from French military intervention and destruction in the region. The French are inordinately dependent on the exploitation and plunder of Africa. The French has military personnel in Niger. When their military personnel were thrown out of Mali and Burkina Faso, 
they were redeployed to Niger and they were stoned on the way to their bases in Niger. The France has exploited the mineral and natural resources of Niger. The French uranium mines in Niger not only exploited the uranium resources of Niger, but France has also closed mines and left radioactive material that, that is deleterious to the health and safety of the Nigerian people. Now, everyone in West Africa is calling for the ending of the CFA franc and the domination of the economies of West Africa by France. They're calling for the removal of the 240,000 French personnel in West Africa. In the case of Niger, France is opposed to any plans for the reconstruction of the country. Let's take the major plan in this region for the reconstruction of the country. That is the replenishing of Lake Chad. You started this news broadcast this morning by talking about a fire in Hawaii. Those kinds of fires are going on all across West Africa because of global warming. Global warming has accelerated the depletion of Lake Chad. Lake Chad has lost 95% of its water resources. There is a plan by the Lake Chad Basin Authority to replenish Lake Chad. Who is against this? France. Who is against investment in reconstruction in West Africa? France. Who has been supporting, who allegedly has been supporting terror groups in West Africa? When the United States called for investigation into Boko Haram, it re was revealed in the Nigerian newspapers that the French has been supporting Boko Haram in Nigeria. So the French create terrorist groups and then goes into African countries to say they are fighting terrorism in Africa. This kind of duplicity by France and fomenting terror and destruction has been challenged by the peoples of West Africa. In every country in West Africa, they're calling for the ending of French economic, financial, and military domination. So we in this country must call on our representatives and our, um, our political forces who are progressive. For example, Okaze Cortez, who is a progressive member of Congress. When she was a student, she went into Niger. Why are they not raising their voices against the militarism and militarization of West Africa by the United States military and to call for investment in health, reconstruction, water supply, and the safety of the people of Niger, Burkina Faso, and Mali? The United States, France, is gung-ho about reversing a military coup in Niger. What about the military coup in Sudan that has been supported by the United States, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates? What about the destruction of the military in Sudan against the peoples of Sudan 
calling for the restoration of democratic relations. We cannot be selective in our opposition to militarism. We must oppose militarism of all sorts in Africa. But the priority at this moment is for the removal of France and to call on the United Nations to have sanctions against France for its destruction and militarism in Africa. And then talk about the U.S. role, the U.S. Uh, drone base in Niger, and talk about the significance of uranium in the world that's in Niger. Well, let's start with the United States of America. The United States of America has been involved in what they call a war on terror, which is as the, in the words of Jeremy Keenan, a fabrication in West Africa. The people who are called terrorists, in many cases, are people who were supported by France. In, in the case of the destruction of Libya, the United States and France removed Gaddafi, and now the United States and France are fighting on both sides of the war in Libya. After the destruction of Libya, the Tuareg left Libya and went into Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso. The French supported groups that are supposed to be terror groups, and then the United States started what they call the Trans-Sahara Counter-Terror Initiative and spent half a billion dollars on that counter-terror initiative. The United States then went into Niger to build a military base and a drone base in Agadez. Now, all of this is very murky because even the Pentagon cannot account for what is happening. The congressional representatives say they do not know what's going on in, 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 in Niger. When four United States Marines were killed at Tongo Tongo in Niger, and if you look at the map to see where Tongo Tongo is, right at the border between Mali Niger, and Burkina Faso. When these four Marines were killed in 2017, up to now, the Pentagon cannot say what happened to these four Marines. The ABC documentary, 321 Unredacted, talks about the murkiness of the intelligence and the opaque operations of the Pentagon in Niger. The United States needs to remove its military forces from Africa and to support the peace, social justice forces in Africa who are fighting for reconstruction in that part of the world. So the, the United States itself is a force for destruction against the peoples of Africa at the moment. I want to ask you about the leaders of Burkina Faso, Mali, Guinea, all warning against the foreign intervention in Niger to reverse the coup. Now, Burkina Faso's interim leader, Ibrahim Traoré, who took power in a coup in September, recently spoke um, in Moscow during the Russia-African summit. He criticized what he called imperialist neocolonialism. The questions my generation is asking are the following. 
if I can summarize, it is that we do not understand how Africa, with so much wealth on our soil, with generous nature, water, sunshine and abundance, how Africa is today the poorest continent. Africa is a hungry continent. And how come there are heads of state all over the world begging? These are the questions we are asking ourselves, and we have no answers so far. We have the opportunity to forge new relationships, and I hope that these relationships can be the best ones to give our people a better future. My generation also asks me to say that because of this poverty, they are forced to cross the ocean to try to reach Europe. They die in the ocean, but soon they will no longer have to cross because they will come to our palaces to seek their daily bread. As far as what concerns Burkina Faso today, for more than eight years we've been confronted with the most barbaric and the most violent form of imperialist neocolonialism. Slavery continues to impose itself on us. Our predecessors taught us one thing. A slave who cannot assume his own revolt does not deserve to be pitied. We do not feel sorry for ourselves. We do not ask anyone to feel sorry for us. The people of Burkina Faso have decided to fight, to fight against terrorism in order to relaunch their development. So that is Burkina Faso's interim leader, Ibrahim Touré, who took power in a coup in September wearing that red beret that's reminiscent of Thomas Sankara, the leader who was assassinated in 1987. Uh, talk about that history, Professor Campbell. The political consciousness of the peoples of Africa at the moment, this consciousness has been heightened by the conjuncture of the global capitalist crisis, the investments for billionaires, the climate crisis, COVID-19, and the general immiseration of the African peoples. Thomas Sankara was a military leader in Burkina Faso. And that's why, though we condemn military coup d'etat, we do not have a knee-jerk reaction against all military leaders, because within the ranks of the military in Burkina Faso are the heirs of Thomas Sankara. Thomas Sankara was a leader who organized the people of Burkina Faso to bring safety, security, sanitation, peace to that country, and it was about how to mobilize the people of West Africa against French imperialism. And through French and, and Ivorian machinations, the, the, the Thomas Sankara was killed. The military in Burkina Faso still has some of the sentiment and consciousness of Thomas Sankara. But what was being said by the leader of Burkina Faso is now reflected all across West Africa. In Senegal, the anti-French, anti-imperialist sentiments are very high. And the highest anti-imperialist sentiment in Africa at the moment is to be found in the Sudan, where the re revolution in the Sudan has mobilized the people into resistance committees, resistance committees that overthrew the military. So Burkina Faso, Sudan, Mali, and now Niger are countries where the room for developing the political consciousness of the people and strengthening the anti-imperialist bloc in Africa is very strong. Last week, the, 
the, the, the EFF in South Africa had its 10th anniversary Congress. And if you listen to the speech of Malema, the anti-imperialist speech, you get a sense of the sentiment all across Africa about imperialism, about the need for African unification, harnessing the resources of Africa, and to ensure that Africa is not drawn into any new wars. What we are seeing in Nigeria is that the Nigerian government, which many in Nigeria call the present government illegal, this government in Nigeria needs an intervention in Niger and in Burkina Faso and Mali in order to get favor from the United States of America so that Tinubu can be in power. The people of Nigeria, they're against this military intervention. The Senate of Nigeria, as you said in the lead up, said they should not intervene. They said there should be dialogue. The people of Nigeria, the people of Niger are one. So what Burkina Faso leader, what the Burkina Faso leader said in Russia at the Russia-Africa summit is a sentiment of the peoples all across Africa about Western military intervention in Africa. And yet, interestingly, Professor Campbell, um, the African officers who are involved in these 11 coups in the last 15 years in West Africa, uh, including in Burkina Faso and Mali, have been trained in the United States. And trained by this money that the United States is supposed to be spending on counterterror. And think that is why we need greater investigation in what the United States is doing in Burkina Faso, Mali, Niger, and Guinea, and to call for closing of the United States Africa Command and for there to be greater relations between the civilian societies in Africa and the peoples of the United States. The United States Africa Command needs to be removed from Africa because the United States Africa Command has been responsible for part of the, the sequences of militarism in West Africa. And finally, if you can talk about the U.S., um, I would say, intensified interest in Africa right now, as it tries to compete with Russia and, even more importantly, China, if you can talk about Africa as a kind of proxy for this global competition. Yes. First of all, the African peoples have been fighting for self-determination. The African peoples have been calling for the unification of Africa. The African peoples have been calling for the African currency so that they are not sending billions of dollars, up to $48 billion every year to Western European countries. The African countries want freedom of movement. They're creating the Africa continental free trade uh, community. The United States, France, and the European Union, all foreign powers are against Africa uniting and creating roads and railways and ports for the African peoples. The overthrow of Gaddafi in Libya was directly related to the plan by the African Union 
for an African currency. An African currency that prevents the outflow of resources from Africa is a threat to France, the European Union, and the United States of America. And that is why the United States is creating the boogie about China. And the United States is intensifying militarism in Africa. Next, this war in Ukraine, it is a terrible war against the peoples of Ukraine and that region. But that war in Ukraine is another step of the militarization of the planet where the United States is supporting the fascist elements in Ukraine. Now, Africans have taken a position that they do not have any dog in this fight. They want peace in Ukraine. The United States is threatening Africans with the countering Russian malign influence in Africa. They've actually passed a bill in Congress to coerce Africans to support the United States and the NATO war in Ukraine, when Africans are calling for NATO to be accountable for the destruction of Libya. In South Africa in particular, where there will be the BRICS summit the next week, where Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa are coming together to break the domination of the United States over the world economy. The United States is threatening the South African government. It's not by accident that Victoria Newland went from West Africa to South Africa. They've been threatening the South African government and making allegations that South Africa is selling arms to Russia. All of these are fabrications. The United States is now lean, leaning on Kenya to send soldiers to Haiti. The United States is calling on Kenya to sign a strategic trade investment partnership with Kenya to break up the plans for greater cooperation in Eastern Africa. So the United States is running amok in Africa based on challenging China. The, the, United, the African people do not need the United States to tell them to challenge China. What the people of Africa needs is to plant food to end hunger. They want jobs. They want roads. They want health care. And they want tangible resources internationally to fight climate change. This is the most important crisis globally. So we in this part of the world need to join with the African peoples supporting peace and reconstruction, supporting the replenishment of Lake Chad, and do not support France and the United States in the destruction of Africa. Lawrence Campbell, I want to thank you for being with us, Professor of African-American Studies and Political Science at Syracuse University, chairperson of the Global Pan-African Movement North American Delegation, author of Global NATO and the Catastrophic Failure in Libya. Next up, we speak to the Ukrainian pacifist Yuri Shelizhenko, who's just been charged by the Ukrainian government with justifying Russian aggression days after his apartment was raided. He says he is a pacifist. Stay with us. I just need 
By the band, the group's founding guitarist and leader, Robbie Robertson, has died at the age of 80. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The Ukrainian pacifist Yuri Sharlyshenko has been charged by the Ukrainian government with justifying Russian aggression days after his apartment was raided and searched. Yuri is executive secretary of the Ukrainian pacifist movement, member of the European Bureau for Conscientious Objection and World Beyond War. He's appeared on Democracy Now! a number of times and has vocally opposed any escalation of the conflict through fighting or sanctions. Yuri Shalyshenko has vowed to remain in Ukraine and continue his peacework from behind bars if he's imprisoned. Well, he joined us Tuesday from his home, and I began by asking him about his interrogation that he had just come from an hour before. During this interrogation, uh, uh, investigator uh, provided me uh, a copy of request to the court. Uh, uh, he asked the court uh, um, to apply to me home arrest. Here it is. Some uh, materials disclosed, and I, I must say that from from uh, this this pile of papers, I see uh, that uh, indeed uh, uh, surveillance uh, was started a year ago, uh, and it was started uh, when uh, I published uh, uh, as human rights defender uh, um, a um, uh, legal aid document uh, called "Human Right to Conscientious Objection to Military Service," and they considered it uh, uh, as a uh, uh, threat to national uh, uh, security. They considered it uh, uh, as a uh, uh, threat to mobilization uh, uh, for uh, the uh, armed forces of Ukraine, and they started to surveil me. Uh, then uh, there was a um, peace agenda for Ukraine and the world. Uh, uh, um, I prepared uh, this uh, statement uh, uh, based on uh, scientific analysis uh, of uh, uh, conflict escalation between Russia and Ukraine, uh, from friendly divorce after the dissolution of Soviet Union uh, to Russian aggression and full-scale invasion. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, this statement is indeed uh, uh, calls uh, uh, for uh, ceasefire, uh, peace talks. Uh, uh, it uh, uh, calls for critical thinking about uh, any images of enemy. Uh, uh, it 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 calls uh, for uh, prevention of uh, human rights violations uh, uh, by armed forces. Uh, um, also, um, uh, uh, this uh, statement uh, calls uh, to protect the uh, uh, right of everyone to refuse to kill. Uh, and uh, this statement uh, uh, was adopted uh, by uh, meeting uh, of Ukrainian pacifist movement uh, on the uh, International Day of Peace. Uh, 21st September uh, last year, uh, I sent it uh, to uh, several officials, including President of Ukraine uh, and uh, Parliamentary uh, 
Commissioner for Human Rights, and uh, uh, both uh, uh, Office of the President and uh, uh, Office of uh, Parliamentary Commissioner for Human Rights, instead uh, of considering a statement on the merits uh, as uh, any democratic institutions, democratic leaders should do, uh, give a reply, uh, they uh, just sent it uh, to uh, security service. And uh, I must um, bring your attention uh, to the fact uh, that security service of Ukraine uh, is directly subordinated to president of Ukraine according to law on security service. So uh, when office of president, instead of considering uh, uh, appeal, petition of the people uh, uh, to uh, uh, um, discuss uh, uh, possibility of peace, uh, to uh, uh, seek uh, uh, diplomatic solutions, uh, to uh, be guarantor uh, of human rights uh, uh, as president of Ukraine should be according to constitution, instead of considering it uh, 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 when office of president is sending it to security service, uh, it looks uh, like uh, uh, um, uh, direct uh, involvement of president uh, of, of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, into organization of political repressions against those who are speaking for peace. Uh, it is it is horrible, uh, um, uh, and uh, it is uh, uh, inappropriate uh, in democratic society. Yuri, I wanted to ask you: How do you respond to the state saying that you are justifying Russian aggression? Uh, it is total nonsense uh, uh, that uh, uh, a pacifist is accused uh, in justification of war uh, uh, for anti-war statement. Uh, 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 this peace agenda for Ukraine and the world, it denounces uh, uh, Russian aggression. Uh, it uh, uh, um, uh, quotes uh, uh, um, uh, United Nations General Assembly resolution, uh, which denounces Russian aggression. Uh, 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 we must understand uh, uh, that um, uh, uh, any uh, violations of international law uh, are uh, uh, not uh, 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 appropriate uh, uh, in uh, contemporary uh, uh, international order. We, we should uh, um, strengthen uh, uh, democratic and uh, legal foundations of international order. And, you know, uh, uh, I was searched uh, and uh, uh, now uh, I am brought uh, 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 to uh, um, uh, this repressive system uh, for my alleged justification of Russian aggression. In time uh, when our government uh, uh, organized uh, the summit in Saudi Arabia uh, to uh, promote so-called uh, uh, peace formula of Zelensky. Uh, and this peace formula, in fact, is a formula of permanent war. Uh, uh, key point of uh, uh, so-called uh, uh, formula of peace uh, of President Zelensky is uh, Kyiv Security Compact, uh, which was developed uh, by working group uh, um, uh, of Rasmussen Yermak. Rasmussen is former uh, NATO chief. Uh, and um, uh, this Kyiv Security Compact uh, includes uh, 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 Western military supply uh, for Ukraine during decades 
And this uh, uh, Kyiv Security Compact also includes a total mobilization of uh, uh, Ukrainian population to war. How do you see the war uh, with Russia ending? Uh, I know uh, many scenarios uh, uh, proposed uh, from from uh, uh, very uh, um, uh, pessimistic to very optimistic. Uh, of course, my my dream uh, is uh, that uh, uh, people in Ukraine, in Russia, everywhere in the world uh, will uh, uh, think seriously about necessity to transform their societies toward nonviolent uh, governance uh, and uh, uh, everywhere uh, uh, current uh, structural violence will be repressed with more progressive nonviolent democratic governance it uh, could put end not only this war but uh, uh, all wars in the world um, uh, and uh, uh, um, you know since this war is planned uh, for uh, decades now and financing for this war is lobbied and in some ways planned for decades it is very serious uh, uh, this uh, 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 long-term uh, 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 attitude uh, to, to hope uh, uh, could be very adequate to, to, to long-term negative thinking of warmongers. Uh, as, as for more like more um, uh, uh, traditional approaches, uh, of course. Uh, uh, it, it would be great uh, if uh, uh, Russia just uh, uh, leave Ukraine. We have wonderful slogan, uh, Russia out of Ukraine, NATO out of existence. If, if only they happen, it would be the best scenario. But uh, 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 it uh, could happen only in, in the case if uh, uh, serious changes uh, uh, will be started in society. Now, uh, 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 even more conservative variants. Uh, for example, uh, um, uh, ceasefire and peace talks, some sort of frozen conflict. It would be, uh, uh, of course, very painful option, uh, but uh, uh, if instead of uh, uh, taking rational choice to stop the war, uh, just uh, to, to, to stop it, uh, not because of choice, but because of exhaustion, and this exhaustion could uh, happen because uh, 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 we have tens, uh, thousands of uh, uh, cripples, uh, we, we have a growing number of people who don't want to fight, uh, and Russia uh, have it and maybe more too. Uh, I am not saying about uh, uh, killed people. Uh, there are uh, a lot of uh, killed soldiers and civilians. Uh, uh, Ukraine have uh, destroyed cities. Uh, this war should be ended at least, at least uh, uh, um, by uh, uh, humanitarian reasons. It is humanitarian necessity uh, to seek ceasefire and peace talks. It is, it is very conservative formulation. Uh, ceasefire and peace talks. It uh, uh, it is uh, not not needed big changes in the world. I seek uh, to uh, ensure nonviolent governance to ensure. 
peace literacy of everybody uh, to to ensure uh, that all people know something about nonviolent conflict resolution. Uh, uh, ceasefire and peace talks it is very conservative. Uh, 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 have at least that. Uh, 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 but of course, we we need to work for more. Ukrainian pacifist Yuri Shelyshenko has been charged by the Ukrainian government with justifying Russian aggression days after his apartment was raided and searched. Next up, we speak with one of the 10 peace activists just arrested on the runway at an air base in the Netherlands where 15 U.S. nuclear bombs are stockpiled. Stay with us. All of a sudden, I could hear somebody whistling from right behind me. I turned around and she said, Why do you always end up down at Nick's Cafe? I said, uh, I don't know. The wind just kind of pushed me this way. She said, Hang the rich. Somewhere Down the Crazy River by Robbie Robertson of the band. He's just died at the age of 80. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman. We end today's show with one of the 10 peace activists arrested on the runway Tuesday at an airbase in the Netherlands where 15 U.S. nuclear bombs are stockpiled. The activists entered Volkel Airbase and knelt on the runway, glued to the runway copies of the Treaty on the Nonproliferation of Nuclear Weapons. The nonviolent protests were part of the International Peace Camp and Week of Action and came on the week marking the 78th anniversary of the U.S. atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, August 6 and 9, 1945. Today, the activists arrived in Germany to protest at the Buchel Air Force Base, which is preparing for the delivery of replacement nuclear weapons, including the new B-60-112 thermonuclear gravity bomb, now in production in the U.S., we're joined in Luck, Wisconsin, by John LaForge, the co-director of NukeWatch, recently served a 50-day sentence in Glossmoor Prison outside Hamburg, Germany, for protesting U.S. nuclear weapons stationed in Buchel Air Base. Also with us, Susan Crane, one of the anti-nuclear activists arrested at Volkel Air Base, just arrived at Buchel Air Base for today's action. We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Susan, um, if you can talk about why you're at Buchel and why you were arrested at Volkel, why you were there. Well, thank you, uh, Amy, for having us. We, um, we're very concerned about the legality of the United States sending nuclear warheads to the five countries in Europe, particularly to the Netherlands and to Germany, because it's against the Non-Proliferation Treaty. Uh, the treaty says that nuclear countries can't share, as it were, their nuclear weapons with non-nuclear countries, and non-nuclear countries can't accept these weapons. So um, as far as we're concerned, the vocal air base, which is in the Netherlands, is a crime scene, and the same with Buchel Air Base here in Germany. They're both crime scenes where international law is being broken, and we want to bring that to people's attention. Three of the U.S. citizens who participated in this week's protests at Volkel Air Base in the Netherlands were banned from entering the European Union for a year. Passports were stamped with an entry ban. The significance of this, Susan? And were you one of those three? 
I was not one of those three, but it's pretty, um, it's pretty significant that a country would say, oh, you were part of a nonviolent direct action saying these nuclear weapons are a crime, and therefore we're not going to let you go anywhere in Europe for the next year. I want to bring in John LaForge, the co-director of NukeWatch. You just served a 50-day sentence in Glassmore Prison outside Hamburg, Germany, for protesting U.S. nuclear weapons stationed at the Buchel Air Base. Um, talk about your reasoning for doing that and your time in prison. Uh, sure. I mean, the uh, prison is a minimum security place with very easygoing conditions there. The uh, fine that was imposed for uh, going into the Buchel base uh, a couple of times in 2018 uh, went unpaid deliberately by me. And so the court system there imposed the alternative jail sentence. Uh, we argued in trial that, uh, as Susan pointed out, the uh, stationing or the transfer of U.S. nuclear weapons to Germany is an unlawful act, a violation of the Articles 1 and 2 of the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons. And uh, we were uh, convicted anyway, although we uh, offered to present expert witness testimony to explain the international treaties that forbid this transfer, this ongoing threatened use of U.S. nuclear weapons from Germany against Russia. Uh, we uh, argued the case presented prim primarily by the uh, international law professor Francis Boyle of the University of Illinois, who points out that um, nuclear weapons, their components and their delivery systems in Germany and everywhere are principally just instruments of international criminal activity, uh, repudiated and prohibited, as he says, by international law, including and especially the Nuremberg Charter, the Nuremberg Judgment, and the Nuremberg Principles. And as a matter of fact, today, we wouldn't recognize as property the right of a gas chamber in Auschwitz. And so we consider nuclear weapons not property at all. And uh, so the attempt to interfere with the threatened use of these weapons is uh, justified as an act of crime prevention. Uh, those uh, offerings, uh, we offered to have this and other expert witnesses, including a retired German judge, Bern Hanfeld, uh, were refused by the court. And for that reason, we've appealed uh, from the German constitutional court, its highest, to the European Court of Human Rights, complaining that uh, the refusal to hear this expert testimony uh, prevented us from presenting an adequate defense, and we should be uh, allowed to have a... John LaForge, we're talking to you in Luck, Wisconsin, where you've returned home. Uh, Susan, we just have 30 seconds. You're at Buchel now. What are your plans for today's action in Western Germany? Well, we plan to uh, go to the base and hold some banners and hopefully talk to the people and ask them not to uh, fly the planes. And you know the just well they don't have planes there right now, but they do have the nuclear weapons there. And uh, what's happening now is they're working on the runway to get.
We're going to leave it there. I want to thank you, Susan, for being with us. Your phone line is breaking up as you're on the U.S. air base in Buchel in western Germany. Susan Crane, one of the anti-nuclear activists arrested at Volkel Air Force Base um, in the Netherlands, just arrived at the Buchel Air Force Base for today's action. And John LaForge, co-director of NukeWatch, now back home in Luck, Wisconsin. That does it for our broadcast. I'm Amy Goodman. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org.